We are back for episode 10 of the Triple Double Podcast, a Run KNC production. You're here with Kellen Buffington, uh, CEO of the TB5 Reports, National Analyst for Cerebro Sports. And today, great timing for this topic. Great time. I'm starting to see a lot of the tryouts and all that stuff coming out for grassroots programs and what team you're going to play on. And it is a very important decision. So today we're going to talk about picking the right grassroots program for your child. Like, what should you be looking for? Um, Long-term decisions, short-term decisions, stuff like that. So the first thing I want to talk about and kind of speak on is the word circuit. That is a true buzzword right now as as far as coaches and program directors and players and parents, like circuit, 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 circuit. Parents are always, what circuit are they on? What circuit are they on? Circuits are, they aren't all created equal. Let's start there. Just like anything else, they're not created equal. You have shoe circuits. That is EYBL, Nike, that is 3SSB, Adidas, and that is UAA, Under Armour. Those are your three shoe circuits. Typically, the 17U teams on, on those programs, they're driven by kids who are already, for the most part, being recruited at a level, and teams went and got, they went and got those kids, right? Um, those are your shoe circuits. Those are supposed to be the best players in the country on those circuits. Of course, it doesn't always work like that, but for the most part, they do attract a large amount of high-end high school prospects. Those are your shoe circuits. Now, you have other circuits that are attached to the shoe circuit, but it's not the same. 3SSB has a secondary circuit called Adidas Gold. That one is pay-to-play for everybody, even for the program. You got to pay X amount of dollars you got to buy all Adidas merch. You have to pay to travel to all of their events. They don't play in the same gyms as 3SSB. It is two completely different circuits, all right? You have UA Rise, which is the secondary circuit for the UAA uh, circuit. Good thing about UA Rise, they put them all in the same gym. 17U UA Rise, they play in the same gym as UAA. So ultimately, the, the coaches that come in and look at the UAA teams, they can casually walk past a UA Rise game and see a prospect. Nike is now jumping into the second tier uh, circuit. They have something called the EYCL now. I think it's Elite Youth Championship League. Pay to play. They were smart. They actually charged a $100 application fee just to apply, right? It's crazy. You had to pay $100 for an application fee to get on a secondary circuit. I bet they got a lot of applications too. So it's, it's, it's tiers, right? The EYCL is not the EYBL. Adidas Gold is not 3SSB. UA Rise is not UAA. All of those secondary circuits, they are pay-to-play, just like any other circuit. The Gasso, TB5 reports, On the Radar in Atlanta, any independent, NY to LA, it's all the same, Right? As a program director, me speaking personally, I used to have my own independent program. You always, you always are trying to find a way to put your, 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 your players in the line of sight of college coaches. That's the goal. I think that people are starting to overthink that now. 
to the point where we are associating travel with exposure. That's not accurate. It's not. If your if if your team is good enough to play on one of those top circuits, your player is good enough to play on one of those top circuits, that doesn't mean it's the best program for you either. So we're just kind of giving an overview right now of, you know, some of the issues. So you got circuit. That's the buzzword. Circuit, 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 circuit. We address that. Uh, some of your independent people that call their stuff circuits. NY to LA has a circuit. A lot of Dallas teams play on NY to LA. A lot. Um, Prep Hoops has has a circuit. Um, Next Pro has a circuit. They got something now called Pro 16. Um, NB48. Like, Circuits are such a buzzword. People are starting circuits every year. You guys know I, th- I host events. I host some of the best events in the country. And I'm biased, but that is still the absolute truth. I have four to six events every year. I don't call my stuff a circuit. Maybe I should. <laughs> Maybe I get a lot more teams to, to come and play in my events. But in my opinion, in my opinion, Everything is a circuit because everything is is beginning with the end goal of having your players play in front of coaches. College coaches follow players. They follow the circuits because they feel like players will be there. The EYBL has done such a phenomenal job of drawing the attention to the fact that they have the best players, so coaches are always there. That's a fact. Coach, you walk into an EYBL event, you're going to see 300 coaches. That's just the truth. Um, you walk into an Adidas event, three SSB, you're going to see 100 co- 300 coaches. You walk into UAA, you're going to see 300 coaches. That's where it gets tricky because just because their coach is there doesn't mean they're there for your child. Now, if they play well, they'll be seen, but you have to be in a position to play well first to be seen, first and foremost, okay? So just here in this first quarter, we kind of talking about all the topics. You got circuits. You have travel. Understand, just because somebody puts a schedule in front of you that says you're going to go four or five different states does not mean your child will be seen in any of them games. I've seen it happen. So, as you're processing this, parents, I want you guys to kind of get away from circuit because I think that's general, where you should be looking for something a little bit more individualized, custom for your child to maximize their opportunities to not necessarily be seen, but develop on and off the floor um, and also be able to play in a role with other players that are really good at something that highlights what your child does. Like you got to get more individualized circuits. It is for everybody because everybody's on a circuit. If you're being seen by college coaches, you any event you're on a circuit. But when it comes to your child, you got to have a plan. And that's what we're getting ready to get into. Uh, Coupled with some of my own personal experiences as a program director to try to help you guys make the right decision when picking your program this year. That's the end of the first quarter. Back to the second quarter in just a minute. All right, we're back for the second quarter of the Triple Double Podcast. Today, we are talking about picking an AAU team. What should you look for as a parent? So before I get all the way into that, I want to give you guys a little uh, background about me as a program director. Before I started doing media and and hosting events, I had my own program. If you guys are around long enough, you remember that. It was called the Blueprint 5. I would take local, pretty talented kids, um, and we would play events. You know, we practiced. We we did the whole shebang. It was my my program. 
the last year, I had two – I had some really good players on that team. I did. Um, Dominique Jackson ended up wanting to play college on that team. Caleb Jordan is at St. Mary's right now, uh, one of the all-time leaders in points and assists at St. Mary's. Um, Keelan Penny had a great career at Panola Juco and Division II at Queens University. So those guys were were pretty good college players. Me, 2020 hindsight, I owe them kids an apology. And I'm going to tell y'all why. I put together a national schedule for players who were regionally, maybe even just statewide good. All of those kids ended up going to school in Texas. I took them to South Carolina. I took them to Atlanta. I took them to, where else did we go? We went a lot of places. I took them to Vegas. Um, And at the end of the summer, none of those kids had any offers. They played well. They played good. But they weren't good enough to be recruited outside of their immediate area. And I took them away from that thinking that traveling and moving around would be a lot, would look a lot better on the schedule to attract better players. No question. I was selfish in that aspect. I'm going to be completely honest, completely transparent right now. But part of me also thought if I took these young men where everybody was, coaches was going to be there. Man, we in Vegas. We in South Carolina. We, we playing dudes. So I remember vividly we went to South Carolina. We had one game where we had like 25 or 30 coaches in there. They were all in there for a young man named Caleb Mills. Caleb had like 36 that day. Um, Caleb ended up signing with Houston. Eventually transferred to Florida State, still in college right now to this day. And I had a couple of kids that played well, but they it wasn't good enough for the level of collegiate programs that were in that gym scouting Caleb Mills. So Caleb Jordan, who ended up being a, a, a big-time Division II basketball player, him playing in front of Houston wasn't going to help him. Him playing in front of North Carolina wasn't going to help him. It's cool to say, oh, man, Coach Krzyzewski was at my game. Uh, North Carolina, UCLA, and McCronin, Calipari, they're not there to recruit your kid. They're there to see somebody on the court next to you. Or if you really got lucky and faked your way into a Super Bowl or something, I was really good for that. I can get my team's really good games. Um, they weren't there to see you. Like, none of my kids were good enough to go play at Houston. None of my kids were good enough to play at Duke or North Carolina, right? So... I feel like I did those young men a disservice trying to take them all over the country. And I've told them that, you know, over the past, them kids 23, 24 years old now, they're adults. But looking back on it as a, from a different line of sight, man, I could have I left those guys here. We could have played in some, some Dallas events. We could have maybe went to Kansas City or something like that. And they could have been really highly recruited, you know, locally. But I took them away from – from their audience. And I also want you guys to realize, take somebody like every, every program doesn't have the same recruiting budget just because they division one. So you take a lower income based, um, not lower income, but, but a lower budget based division one program. I say somebody like, and I'm just using this name, like McNeese state, somebody Southeast Louisiana, they not getting on no plane going to Vegas to look at no kids. They will drive four to eight hours regionally to come see players. So parents, I don't want you guys to get caught up on, oh, we're going here. 
Hey, man, grassroots is not about vacationing. You can do that on your own on a weekend that you're not playing. None of that kind of stuff. Like, don't equate travel to maximum exposure. It does not always mean that. Sometimes you're actually taking your 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 child away from the people that need to see him, believe it or not. But it's cool to be like, oh, man, we're going here, we're going there. But those are literally vacations. Your kid not going to be recruited out there. So you have to, first of all, be completely honest with your child's ability. That's first and foremost. You got to be able to be honest with yourself. I'm living that right now with my son. He's a football player, right? He's talented. He's a good high school player. All district, blah, 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 blah. But that does not mean He's a Division One or a Division Two or a Division Three talent. It could mean he still just got to go to college. Hard because I want him to have what he wants. But as his father, yo, dad's not going in to, to debt paying loans for you to go play football. Not when you have a high academic and you can go to school. You know, get some money, some scholarship money, and go get a degree. So the first thing about this, you have to really be honest about your child's ability. First and foremost, some of these kids not good enough to go play everywhere all over the country. Even the ones that are doing it sometimes ain't good enough to go play around all the country. But don't take yourselves out of being recruited because you think traveling equates to exposure. Um, I think we're out of time right now talking to my partner right now. Um, most of these kids aren't leaving a region to go to school anyway. You know, uh, 50 plus colleges at every level just between Texas and Oklahoma. That's JUCO, NAIA, D3, D2, D1. There are so many schools, good ones. One of the best Division II leagues in the country is right here in, in, in Texas, the Lone Star Conference with teams from New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas. We And they're here like Dallas Baptist. Um, St. Edwards, like these, these, these programs, West Texas A&M, they are routinely top 25 in the country in Division II. So taking your, your child all the way to Florida for a live period event, DBU's not going to Florida. Lamar's not going to Florida. They might. Shout out to my boy Cus Brooks at Lamar, man. I ain't going to do you like that. We're just using you as part of the topic. But – Number one, be honest about your child's ability. Number two, find a way to identify locally and regionally. Probably start out with a, with a list of what programs your child likes and see as a fit. You know, before you even start making decisions on who you're going to play for. Right now, y'all are going to tryouts and workouts. You don't even know where you want to go to school. So how can somebody give you a plan for your child to be successful and you don't know what you want. You're not honest about what you want or your child doesn't know what they want yet. You should have conversations, create your own list of non-negotiables before you start going to trials. Because honestly, parents and players, y'all should be trying out the programs. They shouldn't be trying y'all out. Um, Playing time. Whew, you got to play. You have to be able to play. You got to play. Um, shoe circuits, always attractive. Pretty shoes, a lot of travel, a lot of college coaches. 
but it's 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 individualized. I'll use a kid like Mike Miles. Mike played EYBL for three summers for Texas Titans. Played with the number one pick in the NBA draft and Kay Cunningham. Played with another uh, NBA draft pick and Greg Brown in 17 U year. EYBL didn't do nothing for Mike. <laughs> and he was legitimately one of the best point guards in the country. But individualized, it didn't help his recruitment. Mike couldn't go to TCU until he got back to his high school with Lancaster in November. They didn't recruit Mike based off of the EYBL. He wasn't on a team that showcased what he was really, really good at in AAU basketball. He did a great job of playing on a winning team and playing a role with guys like Kay, Greg Brown, Jacoby Coles, and Rondell, who are also now his teammates at TCU. Um, loaded group. Loaded group. He played a role. The role he played on the EYBL wasn't enough where people were sure he was a high major kid. That kid is now a Koozie Award finalist, one of the top 10 point guards in all of college basketball. But what he did do, played all of my events. He got a lot more done in my events as far as exposure than he did in the national EYBL events, in my opinion. I had to double back with him and see what he feel about that. But, and Mike's really good. He was a top 100 kid, if I'm not mistaken. And he was not recruited playing on what a lot of people feel like is the best circuit in the country. Think about that. Take another kid like Anthony Black. Did not play one game on any shoe circuit. Not one. Not one minute. Never put a uniform on. Kid's probably going to be a lottery pick. Chose development. He chose Sean Ward and 3D Empire, who focus and harp on development. And he could have played anywhere. He was good enough to go play EYBL, 3SSB, Under Armour. He was also good enough to play independent and be highly recruited. That's why I'm telling y'all it's individualized. It is a custom fit, and you have to be educated on what you want and what's actually available for you to make a decision who you need to play for. So first, be honest. Here's a couple of questions that I would ask before picking an AAU team, and we're expounding about them on the, on the next quarter. First question, how good is my kid? Seriously. And ask some people. Send me a DM. Send me some film. I'll tell you, I'll be honest. How good is my kid? Secondly, who can get them better? Development. You can never sacrifice development for platform and grassroots basketball because the ultimate goal is to play basketball after grassroots. So you have to continue to get better as you're playing to be prepared to play at the next level. Development. Third, who's coaching that team? Who's coaching the team? The coach is so much more important than the platform because the platform cannot work for you. It can't because you got to be good enough to play on it, perform well, and when you do, you have to have an advocate. Typically, that's your coach. The platform I'm different. Event operators, I, I'm a scout first. But but the EYBL and 3SSB and UAA, NY to LA, all these different circuits, they'll post leaderboards, like as far as points and assists, but that's not working for you. Your coach, your AAU coach is the one picking up the phone, calling, hey, man, I got a kid over here playing well, blah, 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 blah. So first, real conversations about you and your child and their ability. Second, who can get them better? Third, who's coaching? 
Because sometimes you can't pick platform and development. Sometimes you got to choose one. Because sometimes the people coaching on the platform, they are typically used to acquiring talent, not developing. Their job is to have the best players every year on a circuit for that shoe company. That's their job. Um, sometimes you can't have both, so you're going to have to pick one. And if it's my opinion, you always choose development, always. Because everywhere you play, where you're good enough, you'll get seen. But you have to be good enough first. Third, who's the coach? Fourth, then you go to platform. Platform is last to me, including mine. You know, like, like guys who do well on my platform with the events, they play for a good coach, and, and they're really good. Like, they develop, you know. So these are real questions you have to ask when moving forward. All right, that's the end of the second quarter. We'll be back after halftime. All right, back after halftime, Triple Double Podcast, a run KNC production. Still talking grassroots basketball and, and making a decision. Let's talk about tryouts. If you walk into a gym because you saw a flyer for a tryout on social media or it was sent to you by somebody, you already behind. Because 99% of these programs who are having tryouts, and tryouts has really become a lucrative hustle now because you can charge for them. I've seen it from anywhere from $25 to $50 to try out <laughs> for a program. You know, some of y'all making donations to whatever the first event is in March. And a lot of these guys are working out players they know they already have before they even post a flyer for tryouts. So some of you guys are going in there blind with no chance of making these teams, especially, especially your shoe circuit teams. I, and somebody had to come on this show and correct me. I'm opening it up for everybody. I don't know one shoe program team that took a player who accidentally walked in their gym to try out. They team's already done. They know who they want. They're at their games in the fall with all eight Adidas or Nike or Under Armour on. Like they're actively recruiting. Like you see college coaches. They're out at these games. Even, even your, your non-shoe circuit programs, they're out recruiting because they know who they want. They know who they want. And you know when they want you. I cannot stress to y'all enough, grassroots is, is part of the process to get to college. So in my opinion, you have to go where, 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 where they love you in grassroots too. You got to go where you want it. You can't go where you want to go. That might not be the spot for you. So we kind of circle back to our, our first thing, which is you got to have an honest conversation with yourself and your child about their ability. Second, development. Third, coaching. Fourth, fourth, fourth minutes. You got to play. Nobody's going to school not playing. So once you get to that, typically if you've had that honest conversation first, You've looked at development, and sometimes that's not from your program. Sometimes you might have a good trainer um, that knows you. But if you got a trainer, they should be almost at your games to a degree so they can know what you kind of work on in the role you in. Coaching, once you get to fourth minutes, you done checked out them first three minutes should be the easiest thing to find at that point because you had an honest conversation with yourself about how good you are as a player, how good your child is as a player. But in that order, I think a lot of times people are choosing a platform before everything else. Oh, EYBL. Oh, 
Adidas. Oh, uh, the TB5 reports. Oh, Under Armour. We automatically get in a scholarship. Nope, it don't work like that. You don't get to get a scholarship just because you show up, just because his coach is there. Or have you gotten better since the last time they saw you? If I'm a college coach and I come see you that first weekend in April um, and you play well, I'm going to come back and see you that next week, right? I'm going to come back and see you in July. Did you get better? Are you getting better? Are you getting stronger? That, that like that matters. Um, a really good platform showcases. And I take pride in mine. Like it, 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 I tell people all the time, my platform rewards those who are productive on it. Period. You cannot be productive if you're not developing and you're not playing in a role with a with a good coach where you're getting minutes in a role that you can be successful at. That's all a part of this. Like all of this stuff works together, but in my opinion, the most important piece is development. Um, you can never sacrifice, and I said this already, but I, I, I live by it. You cannot sacrifice development and coaching for platform. You're not going to walk into anybody's tournament and get a scholarship just because a college coach is there. So if you're picking a place specifically just based off, well, I know it's going to be coaches there. That don't have nothing to do with you. That ain't nothing to do with your child unless they're good enough. So honest conversations, honest conversations before y'all start going to these workouts and paying for that and paying for that, paying that $25 to $50 for them trials. 90% of y'all about the same. Maybe 99. It's hard to do this. Like, this is hard. You can't make a decision. Like, say a program director come to you and be like, well, I have such and such kid. They played, they, like, they played in my program. They went to the NBA. Your kid is 5'10", 175 pounds. Pretty good. You can dribble with both hands, make shots, can run a team. What that program director did with a 6'10 kid ain't got nothing to do with your child. There is a legitimate foot difference in between the comparison. So a lot of times these program directors, they do a good job, man. Some of these guys have really good um, resumes. They'll send you all the alumni who play here. Da, 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 da. If none of them kids look like your kids, you can't go off of that resume. Your first question, what can you do for mine? A sales pitch of somebody else got nothing to do with you. You need a specific, if your child is good enough, you need a specific individual plan from that program for your child. And if they want them bad enough, they got to come on with it. Parents, players, you guys have to understand, y'all in control. There are no programs. There are no circuits. There are no events. There are no scouts. There is nothing without y'all playing. You guys should be interviewing the program. They don't get to interview you. They need you to a degree. You know, it's a lot of other kids out here, but you are trying to make the best decision for yourself. My grandma telling me a long time ago when I first started going on job interviews, like you got to interview them too to see if they offer you the job. Do you want to accept the job? Like these are fair questions. You cannot ask too many questions in this because one thing I know about in grassroots basketball, you don't have time to waste. You cannot burn a summer. This year, we are only scheduled to have three live periods. Three. With your grassroots team, they'll do one with the high school teams. But three, that means y'all got a max of 15 games. If y'all can get five in a weekend, y'all got 12 to 15 games. If you are in the class of 2024, 
and you have some recruitment to, to little to no recruitment, you got, like you're picking a program for 12 to 15 games. Like March is cool. Opening day is cool. It's a big time event. <laughs> um, but live here where coaches actually get to evaluate you, 12 to 15 games. That's not a lot. That means you don't have one week. So if you pick a bad team the first weekend, you done lost five of them games. You got to go to another team, learn their system, find another role for you to be good at to go play your next 10 games with. Woo. People are not going to school because they're making bad program decisions. Period. It's the truth. You cannot get this wrong and then fix it. You can't pick the wrong program first and expect to have the same results later because you tried to get it right on the back end. Y'all better do your research early. All my younger guys, 25s and 26s, if they keep it like this, you only got roughly 30 to 45 games over the next three years to be seen. You can't waste a summer. You can't give up 12 to 15 games. <laughs> Your 15U summer, you can't get it back. One thing about time, one thing about opportunities. You hope for new ones. You hope for more time. But once you lose, you don't get that back. If I lose a dollar and find a dollar, I lost a dollar still. Instead of one dollar, I got instead of two dollars, I got one. I can't get that dollar back I lost. Because if even if I went a million dollars, I would have had a million and one dollars. So you guys have to lock in and I don't understand why parents don't don't make more long-term decisions. Like I feel like like y'all are going to different tryouts every year. I feel like a lot of the programs are turning over their rosters every year. And I'm trying to understand that. Like, nobody's making long-term decisions right now. I look at a kid like like Kay. Kay played Nike all the way through. He was a Titan from 8 years old to 16. Took a year off of 16. Went to go play for Drive Nation with Jermaine O'Neal. Came back to the Titans. Long-term decision. Mike only played for the Titans. Wade Taylor only play for Urban DFW. Like the guys who are making these long-term, their parents, and I got to get all their parents in here at some point, their parents made long-term decisions for their children early. And I would love to see like what made them stay, what made them go. You know, Marcus Sasser, Urban DFW, these, these the kids killing college basketball right now. So, making a decision right now, parents of younger prospects, 25s and 26, I'm going to talk about y'all middle school parents in a minute. That's a whole nother situation. But 25s and 26s, y'all should be really trying to make decisions for the next couple of summers. So you're not back in a situation looking for a whole nother team, a whole nother program, a whole nother coach, a whole nother role. Make good decisions early. And most of the times your children reap the rewards late. Due to commitment and, and the parents in the house making a good decision that put their child in position to max out whatever it is, whether that's D3, D2, whether it's just going to college. Because I know we, we've met some of our best friends playing high school basketball. Friends I have still to this day, we played AAU together. We played high school basketball together. Secondly, everybody's not going to college. So some of you guys doing this, start looking around, see if you want to be a scout. Start meeting people, talking to these coaches and stuff. You might want to be a college coach later. There are so many opportunities in these gyms now outside of just playing basketball. So while you're in there, kind of be looking at what everybody's doing to make money in the gym 
and see if it's something you're passionate about. Um, but yeah, man, you guys are trying out the programs to see if you accept the position they offer you. That's important. You guys don't have to settle because the players and the parents have the power. And I'll leave y'all with that with the third quarter. We'll be back in the fourth. We'll talk a little bit about middle school circus and we'll wrap it up. All right, back for the fourth and final quarter. I want to hit on the middle school stuff right now. Um, it's a lot of a lot of moving around in middle school. Everybody talking about we on a Nike circuit, we on a Adidas circuit. We it ain't no circus in middle school, man. Let's let's stop that there. It, it, it's it's not real. Um, <laughs> like anything in that, it's all development. Like is your child even having fun playing basketball at this point? Or are you excited yelling and screaming in the stands, posting pictures on your Facebook and Instagram of your baby? These kids, and some of them are really good. Not, like some of them are really advanced. But what are you getting guest playing on different teams every year based on every weekend based on the schedule they playing? There is so much movement in middle school basketball. I'm almost afraid of what's to come when these kids and these parents get in high school because there is a culture of free agency almost in middle school. Like development is being ignored to a degree because everybody's chasing a trophy or article or a mixtape. And I kind of see it kind of seeping into high school a little bit slowly. Middle school parents, middle school players, you guys should primarily be focused on development, competition, and enjoying basketball. Have fun. I had a kid send me a tweet like a month ago, 2028 kid told me he was like, it was like, told me he was labeled as a shooter, but he can do a lot more. I kind of responded to that kid. Like, just have fun, man. Have fun. You know, like, like there is no, who cares about you being on an elite team in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. We see so many kids ranked high early on these fake rankings in middle school. And they're nowhere to be found later on. I'll I, I take a short trip back down to class of 22. Dior, Dior is one of the top ranked kids since middle school. Um, Chris Livingston, who's still doing pretty good at Kentucky, man. I had a parent tell me when they was in middle, Chris Livingston might have been the best middle school basketball player they've ever seen. Cason Wallace would get drafted before him. And I don't think that many people knew who Cason was as a sixth or seventh grader. I knew him as an A grader because he was playing up 15U with Peach Jam with the Houston Hoops and when they won Peach. But y'all focus on development, competition. You don't have to travel all over the world. Like, like I seen that MS, what's that? MSHU TV camp? Jesus Christ. What is that? Them colorful jerseys, kids in there throwing the ball off each other's faces, and y'all really be signing up for this stuff. Like, what are you chasing? Y'all got to have some honest conversations about y'all kids, too. We all do. Like, like all of this stuff starts with being honest with who they are as people first and then as a player. You have to figure out if what you're chasing is attainable right after you figure out what it is you're chasing. So, ultimately, man, you guys, I hope you, you, you hear this. I'm not talking at you. I'm talking to you because I see how bad this has gotten and become over the last few years. Um, focus on development. 
Focus on development. Focus on development. That is first and foremost because the goal should be to play after grassroots basketball. None of these kids are good enough today to go play after this if they stop developing. They have to continue getting better. There is so much promotion and marketing going on for for everybody right now. Kids that can play and kids that can't play. Just keep the main thing the main thing. That's development. That's development. That's that is is flat out getting better. Who gets me better? Who gets me closest to the best I can be before it's time for somebody to make a decision on whether I'm good enough to continue playing this game? Because it's not y'all decision. Parents, you could think your child is Michael Jordan. I don't think that. And a lot of times when you're voicing your opinion about your player, people, people mute it because it's your child. You could be telling the truth. So ultimately, focus more on development than we are chasing circuits and blah, blah, like, like at the end of the day, the core of this is, is just getting better every day and enjoying it. Um, shooters, you know, like, like, are you working? How many shots you getting up this week? Like parents, y'all would be mad at the coaches because coach don't want them to shoot, but are they working? Are they practicing? Do they make shots at their high school? You have to be realistic. Stop chasing circuits. Stop chasing names. Chase development. If if you chase development, regardless of whatever your kid's skill level or ability is, they'll be the best possible version of themselves. And that should be the main thing. Lastly, adults in this. I'm going to leave you out with this. When, when AAU and all that stuff came about, youth sports, period. This might even be a cultural thing. I thought like like we used to do a really good job of leading children, leading young men. I'm starting to see too many dudes following kids now, grown men following behind kids. They need us, man. They need us to step up and hold them accountable and love on them at the same time. They don't need another fan. Parents, be a fan. You can be a fan of your child's game, but you can't be a fan of your child. You, you, you still have to parent them, you know, like even if your child is on track to be a pro, you can't go straight into being a business manager. You have to protect your children. It's some bad people in this, bad people. But it all goes back to the core of what we said, that first question. Be honest about your child's ability. Be honest. Development. What type of person do you want coaching your child? Will you pick a coach that you would never have a conversation with or have your child with? around because of the way they act just because they're on a certain platform, we're getting away from certain principles. You know, we got to get back to, to what's real. Which they, they're kids. They're kids. And they're counting on the adults to put them in position to, to max out. So that's what we have to do, man. I've tried to equip y'all with as much as I could today without going all over the time. We'll definitely circle back with it. Probably the first of May, because if you don't listen, some of y'all going to make a bad decision. You're going to be looking for another team, and we'll have some more instructions on what to do after that. Um, but hopefully this was informal. Like I say, I'm not trying to talk at you guys. I'm really I'm passionate about this because I've made the mistake as a program director trying to take kids all over the country. And it's not something that I want people to continue to do. So we're going to sign off, man, with the Triple Double Podcast today. Um, 
I was just passionate about this subject today. That's why I was talking so loud and sounding so angry, but I was really smiling the whole time. Um, but it's just something that I, I know about, and I'm seeing so many people make mistakes, and I don't want you guys to keep doing it because I'm watching it literally lower players' ceilings. Every, every decision we make right now should be raising the ceiling of their ability. As a person, as a player, like, like we can't forget about the person. That's why mental health is so important right now in this. Kids are stressed. I want to cuss so bad. Kids are stressed out really bad because of the expectations being put on them by parents, program directors, media, guys like me. Like they're struggling because they don't. Some of these guys can't meet the expectations we're putting on them right now. You know why? Because we're not developing them. We're not coaching them. It's not that they're not good enough. We're just too busy being happy to have them. Like, man, there's so much more we got to talk about with this. We have to come back next week with some more stuff. Next week, we'll talk about mental health. Next week, we'll talk about mental health and sports and try to get us somebody to come in and talk about that. But I'm rambling. Thank y'all for hanging with me. Y'all have any questions, send us a DM at, at, at our Twitter, my personal Twitter. We'll answer them, man, in, in, in any order. We're here to try to help parents, help kids, help program directors, help everybody as much as we can. So we're going to sign out for the day. Hey, good luck to y'all making choices. Some of y'all going to workouts and trials this weekend. Good luck. God bless your decision-making. We'll be back next week. Thank y'all for listening to the Triple Double Podcast, a Run KNC production.